of the Turbo Team Podcast with Jake Brand. Don't you go anywhere near that! Ben Neeson. Like just being caught metaphorically with your pants down. And Alex Powell. Do you know I saw those cute one time? Tommy gun. Reviewing and breaking down movies and TV shows from all genres. This is the Turbo Team Podcast. Welcome back to the Turbo Team Podcast. Alex is back after surgery. Hey. He's looking like he got beat up, but he is here for another episode of film review and just talking about whatever. How are you doing, Alex? How are you feeling? I'm doing well. The viewers can look at me in the camera. There's no camera. Okay, so. <laughs> well, speaking of Good cameras, thanks. I we have a, a we have a sponsorship collab in the making. We don't have the ad reading this week, but we will keep you posted for next week. How is that related to cameras? Because they film all of their advertisements with cameras. Have you watched our ad? Have you watched our sponsors' videos, Ben? No. Exactly. And this is why you don't have access to the Twitter account. That's why Ben's favorite movie is <laughs> Hail Caesar. Ben, how are you I doing? I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, at the, I'm just looking at Coen Brothers movies. How are you doing, Ben? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Not much else to it. Well, that's good. Friend of the program. A film nerd. Please join us in welcoming the newest survivor of the Turbo Team podcast. Never used conditioner. Welcome to the show, Nate Magic. How are you doing? Whoa, Nate? whoa! You've I'm never used great. conditioner. I use conditioner. I don't know where Jake gets okay, it. Okay, what's first, shampoo or conditioner? Shampoo then conditioner. Please shampoo. tell me you now. Knew I that. know that shampoo cleans your hair. Wait a minute. This is why guys. I have, a, you I have use a two in one. I have a two in one. Don't do use two in one. Well, that's all. It's I really have. it's bad for your hair. Oh well, I, I, I just clearly. Agree. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm doing pretty well. Nope. <laughs> This is why guys can't have long hair. They don't sorry, know what to do. Sorry, I'm a busy no, man. guys can have long hair. Ben is just disrespectful to us. I got to actually take I'm a busy man. Hair. I don't I have got, time to do two separate things I comb my, my hair, hair probably five times a day. Wow, that's a little sus. How is it sus? I care about my hair. I think I comb it like three times a day. I'm not going to say it. Yeah. I got five-in-one Dawn dish soap that I use. <laughs> How did we get this off topic? Okay, so today we're reviewing <laughs> two films. We're reviewing... Number one, hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> Febreze number two. <laughs> We're reviewing Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Believe it or not, they're not related to each other at all. They're two completely separate films. Like, it's very misleading titles. It's like cousins. Yeah, very misleading. One one took place in 2018 and the other took place in 2049. The other's a sequel to the Skeleton Twins. Ooh. The Skeleton Twins starring Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader. Yeah, Blood Blade Runner 2049 is uh, the sequel to that. So nice. the original Blade Runner is directed by Ridley Scott starring Harrison Ford, Sean Young, Rutger Hauer, and Edgar James. They all directed it. 2049 is pronounced, correct me if I get this wrong, by Denis Villeneuve. Oh, Dang gosh. It, I, messed, I got <laughs> went over it right before the I podcast know, I started. Totally Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Okay, I got it. And that's starring... Me as Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, Ana de Armas, and Jared Leto. Everyone's favorite actor. Ana de Armas. Yeah, who cares? I'm not good with this foreign guy. names. It's not that foreign. <laughs> what? <laughs> so There are certain levels to foreignity, and, and that is not and it. And it's not Alfonso Quan or whatever his name is. It's what? also starring everyone's favorite WWE wrestler. Rey Mysterio? No, no, no. Next best thing. 
It is Dave Batista. The the, the mean, show. Yeah, he's Drax what? from Roman Guardians Reigns, of the Galaxy. Steve Austin, The Rock. Welcome back to the keep WWE going, keep podcast. Going, keep going. <laughs> okay, if we have another <laughs> WWE reference, we're gonna scare every listener off. Yeah, we don't want to scare him off like Scarecrow did My in ba- Batman Begins. <laughs> it would scare me off. Ben, do you want to take us through the synopsis? Hey, what's good, Jake? Uh, Deckard, this is for the original Blade Runner, released in 1982. Deckard Harrison Ford is forced by the police boss to continue his old job as a replicant hunter. His assignment is to eliminate four escaped replicants from the colonies who have returned to Earth. Before starting the job, Deckard goes to the Tyrell Corporation and he meets a, he meets a girl, Rachel, who he falls in love with. Rachel is a replicant, so this is very controversial for him. This is where I'm going off script. Going off the dome. <laughs> Deckard hunts down, uh, eventually hunts down the replicants one by one throughout the movie. Uh, I'm spitting right now. <laughs> Yo, that was kind of hard. <laughs> You're distracting me. You're doing a rap. Uh, I'm too busy trying to think of rap hey, lyrics ben, in my head right now. take the podcast seriously? Thanks. <laughs> Deckard hunts down the replicants one by one, eventually reaching the last one, Roy Batty, who as... <laughs> it's his name. Roy Batty. <laughs> Take the podcast seriously, Alex. Bad baby. Like the boys in my shoes. Deckard is caught. Um, he's caught. Uh, he's left hanging, actually. <laughs> he's a... Uh, Alright, so okay, next so <laughs> on next week's show we're gonna be ranking Ben's synopsis reads and I think this will easily <laughs> rank last. Sorry, I didn't write this out ahead of time. Uh, Roy Batty is at the advantage to Deckard where he could let him fall to his death, but instead he saves him and gives him a monologue trying to share uh, share his uh, life's memories, even though because he know that he will not survive to tell the story. What was the quote? It's like I'll exist just like like tears in the rain. Or tears in all the these rain. moments will be gone like, like tears, tears in, in the, the rain. rain. Yep. Alex watched that one. I did. I watched the Blade Runner. I watched both the Blade Runners. Okay. <laughs> what's what's the okay. wait Ben so we'll, we'll, we'll I go to the review. bathroom all the way down the hall <laughs> we'll review just Blade Runner and then we'll do the 2049 synopsis after yeah. what cool okay sounds yeah. good to me so we're gonna ask Nate our special guest friend of the program survivor of the program we hope what hope we'll Nate see Nate what was your favorite no part of the original Blade Runner the my favorite film my favorite part of the original Blade Runner is probably the final monologue scene i think it does a great job of i mean for one the actor wrote the monologue himself it's not in the script which i think is pretty impressive Mm -hmm. and i think the monologue does a great job of sort of tying together deckard's character arc that all through the movies sort of discovering how replicants are more like humans than he thought all these years and so this moment where roy batty saves him and then gives him this eulogy where he says how you know he lived he really did have a life and now this life is going to be gone now that he's dead and that you know this is the moment where Deckard really discovers that what he's been doing all these years is you know horrible and really solidifies for him that the replicants are just as human as he is so is there a moment like that moment did you begin to feel bad for the replicants as opposed to like because they're kind of I mean in a way they're kind of shown as the villain well they are the villains 
they're pretty severe antagonists, but specifically in that scene and just the getting to know Rachel and the entire story that Deckard starts to reveal within himself when he's hunting down these replicants, like you start to feel for him. Yeah. Like that. I also think the music does a really great job of like the music is really sad, especially in the scene where he shoots the uh, first woman. Yeah. That yeah. He through the glass. Yeah. And it goes into slow motion as she's tumbling through the glass. The, soundtrack is not at all making you be like oh hooray Deckard killed her <laughs> yeah. it's very much sad music where you're like oh that was you know that maybe wasn't great it's no Darude Sandstorm it's more see you again yeah Ben <laughs> Blade, Run- Blade Runner but with the Furious 7 soundtrack oh, no. <laughs> that's what I was trying to think of I'm yeah. pretty sure Darude Sandstorm was in a Fast and Furious not the not the 7th one Sorry, no. Alright, Jake. <laughs> I'll ask friend of the program, why, Isaac Taiki. Why have we had multiple Fast 7 references on you this You guys podcast? reference it a lot. Re-listening, yeah. you guys reference it like every, every yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, that's all Ben's fault. We should have... Uh, all my fault. Ben's a closet Fast and Furious fan. We should have... And I'm never coming out. We should put together a Turbo Team special. We have all of our old guests come on, and then they review our podcast. I would very critically review your a good podcast. idea. Nate, review our podcast right now. We'll get yeah. back to Blade Runner in a minute. I, I think it's usually pretty good. Your first couple were kind of rough. That's the how it Barry works. One, it was just me and Jake. Oh, no, Barry we've admitted that the Barry one was ones. horrible. Yeah. But I think you guys have really hit your stride recently. I really enjoyed the La La Land one. Mm-hmm. Spotlight one I enjoyed. That was an early one. Spotlight was, was I still third, thought it was pretty third. good. So we, we did a really a well. We did really well, and then we fell off at Barry. So if, I'm, if I'm being honest to the Turbo Team community, I about didn't publish the Barry episode. Hey, the Barry episode almost was didn't bad. publish it the week of. It was like it was, it was late. It was like, I know it was. It was bad. late. We recorded for like 30 minutes, and then we did it again because Ben's like, "Why are we doing it this way?" Yeah, <laughs> and then it, it was still bad even after it. we restarted. Yeah. Thank you, Nate. I, I think I think, I think it was worse because we did 30 minutes, and then we still didn't really know what we were. And doing. we were all like frustrated. Yeah. And then we had to do it again. And also, like, I didn't watch it, and because <laughs> I didn't watch the show, watch I'd seen it. I've show? seen it three times because that week was weird. Because I wanted to do Euphoria. It was we, we were gonna do like a TV episode. Jake, Jake, Jake and me do, were gonna talk about Barry, and you and me were gonna talk. No, about No, you guys Euphoria. were gonna talk about Community, and then I wanted to talk about you and me were gonna talk about Euphoria, and then we were all gonna talk about Barry. But like, we ended up like the Barry episode was the Barry segment was so long that we just went with Barry. It was it was a mess of an episode. It's I important all yeah. the listeners know this. Yeah, so don't go back and listen don't, to the Barry. Don't listen episode. to Barry. Or do and see how much we've grown. Enemy but, of the episode, but the Barry that, episode. Knowing that the knowing that the spotlight episode was good and then the Barry episode was bad and those were back to back. We like did really well at Spotlight and we dropped off at Barry. It's kind of yeah. Hey, we uh, yeah. can't. We peeked at a La La Land though. Yeah, I, so thought, I like the La. It's going to be the forgotten episode. We're not going to take it down, but we just hope everyone forgets it. The holiday special of podcast episode. Garbage. <laughs> it's terrible. No redeeming qualities. <laughs> Alright, let's get back to Blade Runner. Yes. Yeah. So I think I was gonna say about Blade Runner. I I took it that like the androids weren't the enemy, but the creators of them were the you enemy. You mean the repl- the replicants? Yeah, same thing. Replicants, androids. They're all like somewhat well, robots. Okay, they're not robots. I don't think they're you clones. Yeah. yeah. They're so. more like clones than robots. Yeah. There's some programming in there, but I've always understood. They're digital. We'll, we'll put There's it something that. They're digital. coding. Yeah. yeah. Well, they can have kids, obviously. Only, Eventually. Only not Rachel. in this first one. 
Oh, yeah, because Rachel was different from the rest, wasn't yeah, she? she was the Nexus, special Nexus 6 that Terrell made before he died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, I took it more as, like, Terrell as the villain, creating these slaves, almost, I mean, somewhat to what we've seen with major corporations in America. Not, obviously not... Worry-free. Kind of like to a callback, uh, it started to bother you. Yeah. That's what I just said. said in modern-day America... In modern-day America, not creating actual, like slaves out of replicant or out of coding yeah. but having a bunch of money and paying them minimal to pretty much slave their lives away and I that's kind of how I took it is that like they predicted 2020 pretty well that like yeah. I mean, whole pandemic. obviously it's not as dark now actually it might be as dark now as right now it's yeah, pretty dark yeah actually every time i rewatch blade runner i'm sort of amazed by how much it is sort of like our current society yeah that what you know, flying like, cars. Well, no, not in the technology, okay, on, but in terms you know of like you know the way the You're society irrelevant. is structured. I mean, the corporations are churning out these, you know, sort of slave labor, and the replicants, and you know, the police force are but, killing them if they try and do anything. That's it. Tyrell is Bezos. Let's get Mitch to hop on here oh, great. to give us a statement as a replicant of the new age. Okay, but, but I put yeah, Mitch. In case you didn't understand that reference, Ben's older brother Mitch used to work at Amazon, and Jeff Bezos is compared to Tyrell. Yeah. Before he was tra- tragically bitten by a dog and bled out. That could be moving itself. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> no, it couldn't. What else did you guys like about? I, I have one more thing. It's just kind of a funnier thing, but relating because so Blade Runner was made in '82, and then but it takes place in 2019, which was a year ago. Mm. One thing I find funny is how, like, hard the people in, like, the 70s and the 80s tried to predict, like, future fashion. And it's literally just, like, slight replicants of just, like, 70s and 80s fashion. Just but, like, dull. way worse. Because, like, 70s and 80s fashion has kind of come back in a way. Like... Can like, we talk about Blade like, Runner? What are you talking I don't about? Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> you're talking about how, like, it's, like, relatable today. And it was made yes. in the 80s. And I'm talking I wasn't about, thinking I'm talking about. I know, but I'm talking about, like, from a funnier side. Like, okay, the clothes they yeah. wear. Like, that's... No, we don't wear... I'm the lighthearted guy everything. of the podcast. But, like, in, like guys used to wear, like, short shorts in, like, the 70s. And those oh, were, like, shut up. <laughs> shut up, Ben. Pink I, wear, I wear short shorts. Yeah, I do, too. Shorts that go past the knee should be banned. Yeah, pink shorts. The don't go past the knee. Yeah. All right. Definitely All right, back to Blade Runner. Yeah, so, Ben, what did you like about Blade Runner? I liked a lot of things. First of all, the music... <laughs> I don't know what I like, but... The music is amazing. A lot of the, like, very synth-wavy, ambient, almost. But it's very... And the music washes you over in, like, these synthy electronic waves, and it's very calming in an odd sense, especially with all the very uh, dramatic and... W- well shot imagery and like striking images that could have been made or that were made back in 1982 which is surprising mm-hmm. considering like a lot of other movies at that time were not looking like this that's uh that's my biggest thing it was just like the way it well I might ruffle some fre- feathers with our guest okay. I, I didn't hate Blade Runner it wasn't my favorite but the visuals were amazing in it especially for it being from 18 because well, when we get to negatives it's gonna I feel like it's gonna aggravate you a bit oh. we'll get to that later but like the uh, <laughs> I'll prepare myself but uh, the, the effects were okay for like well they were pretty good for the year 82 but a if you of- think about like like 
probably the best effects for that is like Star Wars, which were like had really good effects for being like the seventies and the eighties. Mm-hmm. And these were not as good as Star Wars, but they weren't terrible. They're a little they're a little lower, but the like the cinematography was really good. Even like the like the shots from like the sky looking down on the street from all the towers were really like they looked good. They didn't look like corny at all. And it was, it was shot really well and while Maybe the story kind of differed for me here and there. I like visually, it kept me like enticed. So I, that's probably my biggest positive about it. Yeah, I thought I thought the visuals were incredible. I thought everything from like the cinematography. I love everything on the streets of just kind of yeah. like the marketplace. Mm-hmm. That, those are my favorite types of shots, and they did not look like it was nineteen eighty two. Yeah. Another thing that kind of came with like the setting was just the fact that a lot of that was just practical sets, like the fact that they built these very real. Uh, new age yet lived in and dirty like streets yeah they somehow made it rain in every scene <laughs> i can't imagine how much of a hassle there that was a lot been. of rain you're right yeah yeah sort of famously ridley scott was incredibly uh touchy about what would be on set and stuff like that a lot of, like magazines on the set mm-hmm. were all like legitimate like you could have picked up one of those magazines and it would have been filled with like pop culture of that like the, of the setting, really? Yeah, it was all in it, that he went in through it's huge ridiculous. amounts of trouble to make the set as realistic <laughs> as possible. Yeah, and that's yeah. where I believe we touched on this during the La La Land episode. Yeah, when you get obviously a lot of these big time directors are going to get the big things right. They're going to get like the general cinematography. They're going to get the general plot. But when you can go down to every single attention to detail and just nail it, that's when you make a good movie. And I thought that's. I thought that was really impressive in this movie, just how yeah. true they stayed to the whole theme of 2019. To me, that's I, I know when a when a director really really cares about a film when they get the small stuff right. Like Damien Chazelle obviously really wanted La La Land to be as perfect as possible. Ridley Scott obviously wanted Blade Runner to be perfect. So that's it's appreciative to the audience too, knowing that a director is making something that they're passionate. And about. you can look at the other side of the coin with the interview. Like there was just so much stuff that like <laughs> if they were just a little bit more precise or cared a little more a little bit more about the little things that movie yeah. would have been bearable. Yeah. And you can like you can really tell the difference between <laughs> I was so disgusted by the yeah, interview. Jake really was. Still can't believe we well, watched the interview. For that's the, the worst movie we've watched for the podcast. Are you yeah. kidding? What about? Oh wait, for the podcast. I was about to bring up the worst movie we watched lately. I was oh. like, we watched the assignment. Yeah, yeah. enemy of the program, the assignment. <laughs> uh, also, this movie had Harrison Ford, which. We can never go wrong with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Ender's game. All right, so who do you guys think is the modern-day Harrison Ford? My bet, <laughs> or my guess is Ed Helms. <laughs> I'm going to go with Miles Teller. Miles Teller. I could, Miles Teller has a little my bit of Harrison is, uh, Ford. My pick is Michael Sarah. <laughs> He's got a comeback. I can feel it. Michael Sarah looks the exact same now as he did 20 years ago. Mm. Good. He's losing his chin the older he gets. Yeah. <laughs> he like, he had one in the first place. Yeah, he had like a chin, like, but like Michael Sarah in 2020 has less of a chin than Michael Sarah in like Arrested Development did. That's fair. Yeah, so. Uh, do you guys want to get into the negatives? I mean, are you done with the positives? I, I had a couple more. Okay, go go for it, Nate. Go ahead. I, Here you are the sort guest. Of, sort of going off some of the stuff that we, like Jake talked about that Terrell was the main villain. One of the things that sort of struck me is how um, both the replicants and Deckard are sort of pawns of the systems that they're a part of, right? The Deckard doesn't want to come back and kill these. He's he's out of the game, and he's forced to come back into it in the same way the replicants were forced to, you know, do whatever job they were forced into. And I thought that every every time the replicants met someone new, like the guy who made the eyeballs, uh, 
the got the genetic designer and Terrell, like the first thing they told him was saying like how, oh, I made your eyes. Oh, I made, you know, your genetic thing. Like they were constantly reminded like, oh, you're not real. You're fake. Yeah. I made something. I own you. Which I just thought was you know, depressing. <laughs> you're going to die soon. <laughs> exactly. Nate, what you said about how they were both kind of like pawns of the system. I thought they showed that really well just in the last scene where they were on the rooftop and I'm trying to think of his name. What what was the bald guy's name? Or not the bald guy, the blonde guy's name. Who the saved villain? Roy. Yeah, Roy. When Roy saved Ford's life, like they both just kind of realized in that moment that like he's got nothing to live for at this point, mm-hmm. so he saved another life and Ford realized, oh, this guy has like actual feelings and yeah he just saved my life and that kind of like, hum- like humanized, humanized him. him yeah he saved another life he was saving lives before that no like another person's <laughs> life. kind of a villain wow wow good point ben saving another person's saying. life i have a question what I didn't was know the he point did of him place. stabbing that nail through his hand his hand was turning off oh he was okay. losing the ability so i'm assuming pain reactivated in some way yeah because it showed dying. that like wasn't that like the first shot yeah, one of, of the Roy? Opening shots was his hand clenching up. Moving <laughs> Mo- on, always getting us in legal trouble. <laughs> you can direct that to our PR guy, Isaac, Isaac Dyke. Yes. Friend of the program, shout him out. He is our, our public relations intern. You're telling if you telling former if you're, guest and survivor of the podcast. Yeah, if you have a problem with any of us, most likely Ben, shout out <laughs> at Dyke Isaac hey. on Twitter. He'll handle it. Uh, Hop in his DMs. He wasn't he wasn't able to be here for this Hop week's episode. On. Hopefully we can get him on for next week's. Yeah. So he'll be an audience member plus our intern in case anything is going wrong during the program. Yep. Nice. So I, I'm trying to move his head because we got two films uh, so sorry if it feels like I'm rushing, but uh, You're you rushing. guys shut up Ben. Duh, do you guys want to get into negatives or do you guys have anything more to say about positives? Uh we I can circle back and just mention a few things when we wrap it up. Okay. So what did you I want. I want to hear your what you didn't like about this movie because you said you said a couple times you think it's a perfect film. So is no, I think twenty forty nine is perfect. Oh, the okay. first one I don't think is perfect. I Go think in on it. I think there's some things like uh, Decker's relationship with Rachel is sort of half baked. Yeah. yeah. Based who, on who produced that middle scene? Oh, middle yes. scene. I, that made me uncomfortable. Harvey Weinstein. He <laughs> produced that. It's, yeah. Because like, like there's scenes like that before, but like. She was really fighting back. Yeah, she was trying to leave, actually, yeah. is what was happening. He didn't have to channel his inner Kevin Spacey for yeah, that. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was weird, and there's other, you know, their relationship and romantic entanglement yeah. feels very... Forced? Forced and not, I mean... It fe- like in the beginning, when they first met, it felt yeah, like, oh, there's good. something there, and then he, like, pissed her off, and then he was like, oh, wait, I like her, so... I'm going to force her to get back with me. You know? That's <laughs> yeah. what it kind of and I think like. that was my... And since it's sort of like the crux of the whole movie is Deckard realizing that the replicants are people culminating in him running away with Rachel, then it's sort of, you know, that scene sort of falls flat when their relationship is based on, you know, non-consensual kissing. Yeah. yeah that's seemed, all they did. That scene made me very uncomfortable. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm... <laughs> we'll find out in the A next movie. A lot of movie. the plot just didn't hit with me in this movie. Same. I like the idea that but a lot of the plot was just kind of lost. I felt like I could have died. I, like, the concept I felt was really interesting, and there's a lot, but I felt... Execution. Like I said, visually, it was really good. Like, really, Scott visually did a fantastic job of this film, but I just felt like the story, like you said, kind of fell. I didn't really times. care for any of the characters outside yep, of Harry. Exactly. Yep. Except at the end, I cared about Roy. Outside of Roy. Han Solo. 
I care about Rachel a little bit. I care yeah. about Rachel when she was trying to leave yeah. Deckard's room. When, when Rachel, <laughs> yeah, when Rachel found out that she was a replicant, that that's was... what I kind of felt bad for. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Shut the up. plot didn't make me care about the characters. Though. Yeah, but yeah, I, I still cared about them, but yeah, I know what you're I wasn't like an 100 percent invested in all the characters. Mm-hmm. If any of them died, I wouldn't be like, no, I'd be like, god damn, okay. A lot of them did die. A yeah. few of them but, did. But <laughs> a, lot of it, a lot of it was redeemed by the ending. Yeah, I, thought. I think the ending's great. It yeah. was a great ending. I thought it was a really good ending. Yeah, and everything leading up to that was just like okay, okay. When you mean you disliked the plot, like, what elements do you mean by that? Do you mean the Rachel and Deckard stuff? Yeah, or? a lot of the Rachel and Deckard stuff. I didn't really like the interrogation stuff. Yeah. I thought there could have been a cooler way. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I disagree. I liked the inter- I thought interrogation. It was, I thought it was then. interesting at first, but doing it, like, four or five times. I, I did it they twice. It felt like four or five. But it's like they keep like, playing the audio. It's for also it. just like it's like the red eye, like their eye, like turns red, and it's like it's once cool. you know right away that like this is a replicant, mm-hmm. like you're like you find a cat, and the person's like I'd kill the cat, and then their eye turns red. It's like all right, you're not real. So they don't say I kill the cat. They have more emotional responses than the people do when they're interrogating them. Well, like, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> summarizing. I'm not gonna you go read into, into this. I'm not gonna go into a real. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I, I don't know. Yeah. That seemed kind of easy to me, but oh well. I guess I'm not gonna say I didn't like the plot; it just didn't draw me in. No, I know exactly. I completely agree yeah. with you. Like, I, 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 at times I didn't care. You know, it was mm-hmm. just like, oh well, whatever. But like, but like I said before, visually I was like still in the movie, but the world, the story, the story it. fell short. I guess. Mm-hmm. Which, ben, which is, which is unfortunate because I think there's a lot you could do with the ben, universe. What did you hate? Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't what hate. Ben, you, like, ben, I don't hate things about. You know, it. we're I allowed to like have opinions things. about this stuff, Ben. Yeah, I know. But you every time we say something, you're like, "That's a, that's not that's a stupid thing." I'm not saying it was stupid. I was just arguing my counterpoint. <laughs> oh yeah, Whatever, Ben. What, what did you dislike? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I agree with Ben. I still want him to shut up. <laughs> hey. Yes, Nate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this had a bit of a slow pace. It's definitely a slow burner. Maybe it's just because I watched it after work, and then I had to get up for work the next morning. <laughs> so I don't know if that was just the mood that I was in. Why but do you work? What? Wow, do you work? I do. Okay. Do you? Yeah. What does this have to do with Blade Runner? <laughs> I was just making fun of Ben. He's been I was just mentioning the slower pace, and it's definitely a slow burn, which can be taken in two different ways. Either someone says it's boring, or one says it pays off. And so did, do you, did you equity. feel like it felt like two hours? Yes. Personally, oh, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if it was just the way I watched it, but I didn't. It didn't feel that long to me, which is weird considering I wasn't that like in it for a lot of the movies. Well, just some scenes, not necessarily the interrogation scenes, but just like Deckard walking the street and taking the steps in his investigation, which are interesting, but just sometimes they drag a little bit. Yeah, I think they spent like especially... five minutes on him yeah. enhancing that one photograph. Yep, yep. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it can last a while. Or yeah. any of the scenes with uh, Sebastian and Pris. Oh, my God, I hated Sebastian's character. He's such a simp. What but... was that? <laughs> Dude, what was that? Well, what what, what it, do you mean? Like, what? like all the... Like the people that he had hostage he's lonely place. no they're he's a gen- he's a genetic scientist they're like replicants so they're but replicants like, but what about real. the one guy that was dressed like a like a soldier they kept like that's a, he's a replicant that's really? a midget yeah. replicant I don't know I, for some reason I was just thinking they like kidnapped these people and just, no, just no he like, made them and now they're his friends me, it, do you know what remind me of it reminded me a lot of a clockwork orange I don't oh, know why great. it just have you seen that movie I have seen it yeah it, I couldn't finish that movie it, what it disturbed me too much 
Wow. I was, it was creepy. <laughs> you don't like rape scenes? No, not at all. <laughs> me either. They're oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said there was like, me neither. <laughs> I mean, if I like either. Stuff. Have you ever seen uh, Once Upon a Time in New York? No. With Robert Downey Jr.? No. Three-hour film. Oh, just two very very graphic rape scenes it was awful to watch just anyway so I don't want to talk about this anymore but Sebastian's character creeped me out I didn't like him and the scenes in his like apartment like give me the heebie jeebies so that's fair yeah. Ben did you have any other negatives um not necessarily no just a uh, slower pace yeah. I mean besides that like a lot of things hit me well and i appreciated them for what they were and i didn't see them as negatives but i guess just as a whole that doesn't mean it summarizes to like an a plus or anything like that yeah but i besides that i have no glaring complaints that's fair yeah i could use a little more fight scenes um, that okay, might have, that okay. might have you're yeah. the reason why this commercially flopped on release well <laughs> really? I, I don't know. 20 okay. years before he was born yeah well <laughs> yeah. that's that's more of it's it's a compliment at the same time because I really like the fight scenes. Mm. Yeah, Even though they were extremely practical and just... Harrison Ford didn't win a single one. Yeah. <laughs> Harrison Ford ret- had the Tony Snell game. Uh, Harrison- zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero blocks, zero steals in 27 minutes. This is getting into the 2049, but in Blade Runner, Harrison Ford didn't win a fight scene. And I felt in 2049, he won every fight scene. He lost the second one, but he won the first one. Okay, he's also like seventy in this movie, so if you but he's still like he's still what, the those fight guys against beating. Ryan Gosling where he didn't fight back. He's still he, he won, still he threw still some, he's threw some nice punches. He threw some nice punches in there though. He actually hit Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Alright, but we'll save that for the next the next <laughs> review. But uh know. Jake, anything you else? Know. No, I don't think so. Do you guys want to get into your ratings? Uh I'll go. I'll give I'll give it a seven. I, I didn't hate it, but like I said, just I wasn't interested all, a lot of the time. But Dang, I was going to give it a 7 too. I, I love Harrison Ford. You know? I love Harrison Ford. So I, I I loved watching him in this, but like the Sebastian scenes were weird. The one where it's just Roy and the other guy. I don't know. There's no, just a lot that fell short for me. But visually, big. I loved it. Uh, you, you want to expand on You said you gave it a 7. No, I think we feel like almost the exact same. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, I give it an eight out of ten. Really? I think I think it's just a bit better for me because I like I like the scenes with Sebastian and them. I think yeah. it's interesting yeah. to see you know the how some of the people manipulative side of them. Yeah, I like the woman. I liked how she you know manipulated. Chris? Chris? Yeah, how she James. manipulated Sebastian into doing all the stuff. He was a simp, but <laughs> he was trying. She manipulates Decker's. But yeah, neck I like the movie. Moves. I think we've sort of talked about it, but pretty much in every technical aspect the movie is a knockout the music's amazing i love yeah. the visuals i love the set design the production design and i love that final scene it makes me yeah, yeah. it makes me kind of disappointed too because there is like so much like like visually and technically it's a great movie it's just yeah. the story just doesn't get yeah. it's kind of disappointing but ben yeah um i had just a few things quick uh what were you guys' thoughts on the villains like like just roy just leon Chris, leon. roy any outstanding um, comments on any I of them? I thought Leon, we didn't really get to see his true character till the end. I felt when he was like asking, like, "When am I gonna die?" I felt like I felt like he was very one dimensional for most of the movie. He was just like seeking revenge, and then at the very like last like couple scenes where him and Harrison Ford are fighting, we really get to see like who he is. He did he like he's not only seeking revenge. He just like 
he didn't ask to be made like this, and he just like, but he he enjoys living. He wants to live more than four years, and so it's. I feel like there's more dimensions to him that we get to see throughout the movie as opposed to the ending. Yeah. And then Leon, I felt was just like just supposed to be like a muscle or something like that, and then Pris kind of creeped me out. So. <laughs> I have. I thought the villains were good, but I have nothing like special to say about them. Yeah, I think that's kind of the in a nutshell this whole movie like. And you that's, know, that's the thing a with a lot of sci-fi movies. Yeah. Where, like... there's not, A lot of sci-fi movies don't have anything deeper. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it, a lot of it is focused on, like, the effects of it. Yeah. Which, there's nothing wrong with that, but... Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, have any thoughts on that? On Nate? the villains? On the villains or I the like fact the villains. I think one thing I'd say is I liked how because they're only four years old in like emotional maturity, I thought they did a good job of showing with like Chris and Roy. Chris, Roy, Chris, and Leon. Roy. Not so much Leon, but like sort of how childish they were, especially in that final fight scene between Roy and Deckard. It was just that, toying with them. Yeah, the that Roy time. like doing the wolf howls and stuff like that. <laughs> that it was very childish and you know emblematic of the only four years of actual emotional maturity. Yeah. Well, I kind of disagree with that point. That I think you said was that sci-fi movies are kind of just surface level. Is that what you said? They don't have a whole lot going neath- going on underneath them. Yeah, I just don't think, like... Well, I'm not saying all of them are like that, but I think for the most part, sci-fi just, like, it's just, like, here's, like, what it would look like in the future. Like, what if aliens invaded? Ooh. Okay, I I disagree. I think for (laughs) sci-fi films, the main point of them isn't to go deeper than surface level. Yeah, yeah. They can go beneath surface level, but that's not, like... They're not making it to, like... Yeah, I think that's, the, I think that's like, common message. sense. Like, yeah. the point of a yeah. drama is to go beneath surface. I think to... explain my point. To sort of expound on that, too, I think some sci-fi movies can definitely sort of get wrapped up in just showing, like, oh, look, here's a world, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey is one of those where, like, it doesn't really care about the characters in the film so much. It's just as the world. being like, oh, look, think about philosophy and stuff. Yeah. And, like, I don't think Interstellar is guilty of this, but, like, it... I think you could. <laughs> it kind of is. You At could the interpret end, it. The final sort of, act is. That, you know, it's fairly unemotional in the way it looks at things, but I think that's also emblematic of sci-fi as yeah. a genre that well, sort of. Yeah, because I picked up on multiple themes within this movie. They had strong religious themes throughout with uh, meeting your maker, destroying your maker, like turning back on him. He quoted, it had something to do with Paradise Lost or something, right? He said and mentioned things about like angels falling from I heaven. Think, I don't know. Roy Stop did. Stop looking yeah. at me like I would know. <laughs> I don't, well, I'm not going to look at these two. Uh, and I'd then, look at you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and then it also raises questions like, why did Roy save Deckard? And that was to like pass on his memories because his were fleeting mm-hmm. like tears in the rain. So there's lots of comments on death, on humanity, uh, being a slave what's like your worth as a human or not even as a human just as a tool of the system your tool of the system yeah I thought thank you <laughs> i agree with you said ben but i've only seen it once and i think those would have been things i picked up more on the second time yeah like, yeah today i i went and rewatched just like the ending again just so i could like maybe pick something else up and i i completely like saw the theme of if Roy didn't save Harrison Ford like no one would have been able to remember him mm-hmm. and like I just didn't pick that up the first time and I think that's a lot of what the point I made about sci-fi is like the 
the main intent of those movies isn't the themes, but they're definitely there. Yeah. So, like, on the first watch, I think you're going to catch more of the, the effects and a lot of the... A lot of just, like, the futuristic stuff. And then the second time you go back, you're going to see more of the themes the and story. the character development. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to rewatch this movie, because I didn't, I didn't dislike it at all. Yeah. Like, I still gave it a 7, because I, I liked all the effects, and I, I definitely see the themes there that I think are better once, like, once you know going into the film what they are. Yeah. So, yeah. Ben, what's your rating? Um, yeah, my rating would be an 8 out of 10. Wow. Two 7s and two 8s. That's <laughs> pretty yeah. good. It's like a, it's like a pretty much a B. Pretty middle of the pack. For yeah, it's not a B. Well, give it a B. It's higher than a. Well, this isn't well, like a grading out of 10 scale. Ten in school would be a B minus. But this, Whoa. this is way different it's than that. Why are we so converting the numbers? I would disagree. Letters. Hey, why are we yeah. talking about school? Yeah, why are we talking about letters? It's summertime. So transitioning into the later film, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. We already went off. Who's in it? It was filmed in two thousand seventeen. Takes place in. I believe it's 2049. Might be in the title or something like that. <laughs> Ben's going to take us through the synopsis of it. Let's, like I always do. Let's see if do. he can go off the dome like he did last time. Uh, the first half won't be. Officer K, Ryan Gosling, a new Blade Runner for the Los Angeles Police Department, unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. His discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, Harrison Ford from the first Blade Runner, who's been missing for 30 years. This eventually leads him to discover that there is a child birthed from a replicant, proving that the replicants do have their <laughs> humanity. There's different elements beneath that. But uh, to save Deckard from being tortured by the new Tyrell Wallace, uh, he saves Wa- he saves Deckard, uh, frees him, reunites him with his daughter, and presumably dies outside the compound. That was a lot better than the first one. Ben. Yeah. Great Let's give Ben a round of applause. Yeah. Co-host Ben Neeson, everybody. So let's just dig right into it. This is one of Nate's favorite films of all time. We'll actually get into that later with his top five films. We'll see if it made the cut or not. Whoa. But what did you like about this movie? No, wait, I, have a, I have a couple of awards. Oh, yeah. Uh, Roger Deakins won uh, Academy Award for Best Cinematography. And then uh, Jur Neffens... Nefza, uh, John Nelson, Richard R. Hoover won uh, Best Visual Effects. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Nate Magic. Neat. Well, since we just brought up the cinematography, Roger Deakins, after fourteen win, fourteen noms and no win, he finally won for this. It was amazing. I was so happy. But yeah, the cinematography is incredible. The music is amazing. All of the acting yes. is phenomenal, in my opinion. You're I welcome, love. You're welcome, Jake. <laughs> I love the sound design on all of the guns and oh, yeah. the fight scenes. The I think it's really punchy and exciting, and it's a lot deeper sort of noises than you're used to in other movies, which I think helps to you know sort of set it apart. And I think this movie really, I mean, going off what we sort of said about Blade Runner, the first one, that its visuals were all amazing, but then the story sort of fell through. Uh, this is the movie that I think it marries the visuals in the story perfectly i think the story is incredible uh first time i saw this in theaters i was blown away by the twist by the story i love k i love everything about this movie oh you love jake you love joe i love joe stupid name (laughs) (laughs) it's always like 
Look at Ryan Gosling. Never. How's Ryan Gosling? How's Ryan Gosling? <laughs> Turns out he is I'm not good. well. <laughs> good. good. Doing a podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> talk to me later. Here's my business card. <laughs> Take um, that with my assistant, Isaac. Yeah, Blake. I could talk about this forever. Do you guys want to sort of say what you I mean, like you're the about initial impressions? If you want. Well, because I want to say, just, I, I mean, we had you on for a reason. The, well, some of the things I wrote down here, I love um, sort of the way it plays on the usual movie template where through the entire movie there's sort of this sense that Kay is, you know, the child. He is this special child of the replicant, sort of like a almost Jesus metaphor, I feel. you could Yeah, yeah, he's the one. savior. Yeah, the savior of the replicant For the rebellion that appears at the end. Yeah. But then I think it's really interesting how, just like the last one, it shows how he's, you know, also sort of a pawn of this system. Not just like the bad systems like, you know, Wallace and the police force, but even the rebels want him to do something bad. They want him to kill Deckard. And I've always think, thought it was amazing that at the end he chose the most human thing of all, saving Deckard so he could be reunited with his daughter. That All of these other people have all these conflicting reasons for wanting Deckard, and the reason Kay finally saves him is so that he can see his daughter, which I think is really touching. And There's a really amazing reoccurring motif through the movie where characters experiencing a newfound freedom in rain or snowfall where Joy... His girlfriend, Hologram, is brought onto the rooftop for the first time, and so she's in the rain, and it's raining, and there's a shot of her holding out her hand as she experiences this new feeling of freedom that she can go anywhere where before she was caged. And then Kay, it does the same thing after he discovers that he is the child, or at least that he thinks he is, and the memory he goes out, yeah. and it recreates the same shot with his hand in the snow where he feels this you know, maybe newfound sense of freedom, which is then further shown when he goes to take his baseline and fails it abysmally because no longer can he be unemotional and you know withdrawn because he's been invested yeah Yeah. he's been shown that something's special and then there at the very end he finally experiences true freedom where he realizes that he didn't need to be you know he didn't need to have a soul he didn't need to be born in order to do something good he just needed to do something good yeah and And i think Sorry. Oh, when you were talking about the snow and the rain, uh, do you think that's related to when he sees that ad for Joy and he's staring up at the ad for Joy while she's speaking to him, just staring into, like, the pouring rain almost? Yeah, I... 100%. Do you think that's, like, he's, like, freeing himself from her, maybe, in a way, or...? I think it's a sense that he's finally realizing how not special he is, right? That in just the scene prior, he was told, oh, you're not the kid, you're not this special somebody... And then he sees this hologram who he had this very close personal relationship with. And the hologram is acting the same way as she did when she was his hologram. But it's just an advertisement. It's not special. It's not anything amazing. And then she uses the same name that he was given. This name that he got because he <laughs> thought he was the special. The super unique. Yeah, the super dope A very Joe, particular name. Joe, showing that, you know, once again, the name wasn't special. Nothing about him was special. And then... They've got the flashback to Dave Batista's character saying, you know, you're only happy doing this work because you don't realize what you could be. And this is where he's sort of realizing. Because you've never seen a miracle. Exactly. If I stand still, no one will see me. Thank you. <laughs> Another great <laughs> Batista. There, Thank you, Jay. Drax the Destroyer. Marvel reference. We made it. We made it about 
45 minutes before Amazing. the first Marvel we reference. Need have a, we need a button for every Marvel reference. <laughs> Hit it. I, is it going to be Captain America saying, I understood that reference? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Great. Oh, my God. That's genius. Okay. Okay. Calm down. Calm down. This is a Marvel podcast. We don't want Nate to leave in disgust. <laughs> But no, it's a really amazing scene where he realizes, you know, that he is special just because he's a person. The very yeah. beginning of the movie, Madam, Robin Wright, he says, you know, I, I don't feel good killing something with a soul because if you have a soul, you can do good. And she says, you haven't needed a soul up to this point. And this is, you know, he agrees. Yeah. He doesn't need a soul in order to be good. He just, you know. And I think it's a really, it's. I think it's a powerful message for anyone that you don't have to be born something special in order to do good and be special you just have to you know take a step and do a good thing lace up your bootstraps yeah. go and work nine to five at your local exactly. chipotle kill, kill love <laughs> every episode ben yeah it, it really is like you see in the beginning of the film like there's no sense of integrity and then once he saves the day like he didn't have to do the right thing but he did and then he saved the day and got a happy ending, even though, like... Sort of happy. <laughs> yeah, he like, dies. Yeah, bleeding well, out in the snow. I think he's found peace. You know? Hey, he's, he's finally free. Alert, he dies. Yeah. It's, 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 almost, it's the same arc as Roy, almost in a way, where he discovered at the end, I lived. Yeah. That's, yeah. There, it's... This is where... So, I would think this is, like, the... As, I mean, maybe you can make the argument for Star Wars or something, but, like... The first one was made in the 80s, and this one was made in 2018, like, or 2017, yeah. but there was, like, and they're both good movies, you know? Like, it's hard for a movie that was made, you know, 30 years ago to have a great sequel in 2018. Well, I think that's mostly, you know, attributed to the director, the creative yeah. team behind it. Denis, I saw an interview before the movie came out. It was the interview that convinced me to see the movie. <laughs> that he was asked, do you think this is better than the first? And he said, I don't think there's any way I can top the first, but I would not have taken this movie if I didn't think the script gave me a chance. Yeah. So You were disgusted and unwilling to watch it before that? I was sort of interested, but that was the interview where... When you, you, know, see, when you see, like, a, like, oh, they're reviving this old franchise, yeah. like, oh, okay, it's just a quick cash grab, but it seems like they genuinely had, like, a message they wanted mm -hmm. to say. Yeah. yeah. And also, it's kind of two different messages in each movie, in a way, would you say? Like, oh, yeah. Like, the first I one was kind of, like, humanizing, and this one's kind of more about, like, you know... Sacrificing. Sacrifice, you know, special, and so it's, I, kind, of, it's kind of a different... And that goes back to mentioning, like, you know, usually sci-fi movies don't have these D messages, or, like, at least me and Jake think so, but yeah. like usually when you see a sci-fi movie, it's just like great visuals, a good concept, nothing really beneath the surface. And these two have two very deep concepts, as well as like over the top uh, visual effects. So I picked up on a duality between these two uh, good films. Good word choice. The You're amazing. Say juxtaposition. Don't look at my computer screen; it's all just synonyms. Source. dot com. Uh, the first uh, film, the original Blade Runner, I thought it focused thematically on death in a whole lot of ways. We have these group, this group of replicants trying to avoid death, search for a way to extend their lives, while Deckard is hunting them down to put them down. And it's uh, him discovering in his own way that although he's been hunting down these replicants and retiring them, uh, he discovers through Rachel that they're actual people and that it's important that they have their lives and that they live. And they almost accept death in a way, especially Roy. But 
uh, I think Deckard sort of realizes that when he's uh, when Roy gives a speech to him. And then in the sequel for Blade Runner 2049, a lot of it's all about birth and life in a way because obviously it's focusing on the child and ensuring that he or she is safe or they, I don't know. It's it's 2019. It's 2020. It's 2049, actually. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it deals a lot with birth and just that continuing on, uh, continuing life and just that. I think, to build off of that, I I think. I lost my point. uh, Thanks. You know, I'm kind of the coloring guy, so building off in Blade Runner in the original Blade Runner the main character was a lot of blues and a lot of blacks and I think in 2049 it's a lot of oranges and a lot of yellows which when you think of when you when you say Blade Runner focuses on death blue is as like it's it's a color of sadness like it's basically as close as you can get to black without being like gray or white you know mm-hmm. and so it represents like dark and deep while 2049 it's a lot of oranges and a lot of yellows which when I think of oranges and yellows I think you know of sunrise you know it's a new day new setting and so it, like you said it focuses a lot on birth and I think the colors the coloring of the of the movie poster is Ryan Gosling and Amade Arms are on the right and uh, Jared Leto and uh, Harrison Ford on the left, and Jared Leto and Harrison Ford side is blue, and Ryan Gosling on the arms side is orange. So kind of yeah, yeah, like that, yeah. And so it kind of significance, kind of it, 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 you know. On the, a Moss is neutral. Well, and that—that's not the one She's I also saw. Also, not real. I saw that one. <laughs> exactly. I saw, oh wait, I guess Jared Leto's on the right anyway. But it like it, it signifies you know the old and the new and the death and the birth, and so that's kind of how I took. You, yeah, I was I was trying to find a. Because I knew it had the colors had significance, but I think exactly I'm building off what you said because I agree completely. Uh, the point, oh yeah, <laughs> I reached back to my point. Uh, well, like they're dealing a lot with trying to save the child and continue the life of the child. Uh, some people are trying to make sure that uh, it's snuffed out and that nobody knows about this. While another side that is discovered to try and uh, reveal uh, him, her, or they as a symbol for the revolution. To start a new age in which replicants are seen as equals, but Decker just wants to deliver something good, and he wants to deliver them back to their uh, parents in a way, a parent, and that's a lot has to deal with the themes of birth and just returning a parent and a child together and reuniting them. And yeah, and I think it has to do a lot of life, deal with life in the way that you find your own worth throughout life. And that you make of it what you can, or at least K does. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything that's been said. There, I thought the acting in this one was a lot better. I, I think it's one. just because it's a little more modern. Yeah, that's that's true. That's a little fair. more modern, and I, it didn't feel like Harrison Ford had that good of a script to deal with. In the first one, his role was kind of limited in a way. I felt mm-hmm. we didn't get to see him to like the last. It's a half. lot of just him standing in yeah. dark rooms. In the we first didn't really, one. we didn't really get to see him to the last like half hour. I thought the acting kept me more engaged in this one. Ryan Gosling was really good in this. Ryan movie. Gosling is incredible. Yeah. I'm very mad that he was not nominated for an Oscar that Thank year. You. Thank you. Thank you. Guys. Do you think that has to do with it being a sci-fi movie? Because yes. acting being good? With there, him not getting, with him not the getting Oscars, nom- nominated. Oh, the Oscars do not support genre Amy films. Adams wasn't nominated for Arrival. And Tony Collette was wasn't incredible. nominated for Hereditary. That's not sci-fi. Yeah, that's horror, horror movies. Don't, horror they don't movies vote don't. for horror okay. movies. Extra if, if we're talking about horror movies, how is Midsommar <laughs> not a Best Picture nominee? Never seen it. You're missing out. I guess. Okay. Fantastic. Florence I don't want to see all. 
But anyways, yeah, there's a stigma against sci-fi in Hollywood. That's well, when it comes I to awards, say, at least. I yeah. wouldn't say sci-fi just genre specific they love period pieces if you're a period piece that year you're nominated for best Mm -hmm. picture coming of age dramas uh black panther it's its own genre (laughs) (laughs) sci-fi coming of of age story winner of black panther hey i mean i'm sure we can make something out of that yeah winner of black panther this year we've got the winner of black Black okay (laughs) (laughs) black panther award of 2018 goes to black Black panther Panther. (laughs) hey alex uh, the Academy Award nominees for 2019 were Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Green Book, Vice, A Star Is Born, Roma, No Midsummer. Yeah. yeah. Well, Midsummer would, Midsummer would have been this year. No, it wasn't. It was 2019. Was I'm year. looking it up right now. I could have sworn Midsummer was right. It was, it was 2019. Was right, well, it still should have been nominated. Well, I would <laughs> the agree. Only good Black one, Panther and Green Book beat it what was the, what were the Roma, I heard, was good. I haven't seen Roma's it. Roma's kind of boring. Uh, Thanks, Nate. What was the other? Wait, can I see it real I've quick? A Star Is Born, Black Klansman. Vice was good. I like Vice, I like but Vice. it's very political, and I think that might have been the reason. Oh yeah. Okay, I really, I, I loved Black Klansman. Uh, I did too. Black Panther was overrated. Bohemian Rhapsody was. Eh, uh, I don't. I don't even know what the favorite is. Yorgos Lanthimos, dude, I love the favorite. Uh, Stars Born. You've is seen the Lobster, a, right? Why is oh, Star? Stars. <laughs> I told Riley to watch that when he broke up with Megan. Oh my gosh. I wish you would have watched it. But friends, I didn't. friends of the program. <laughs> Why was Stars each other. Born the best picture nominee? It's like know. the eighth time they made that movie. It and is also, basically in the same genre as like Dear John or The Notebook. Why it was I consider Star is Born like an idiot's version of La La Land. Like, if you're too dumb to understand La La Land, watch A Star is Born. Yeah. (laughs) You'll love love it, dude. The ending is really sad. uh, The Greatest Showman. Yeah, okay, well, that's like the. That's worse than that. That's worse than that. I mean, if A Star is Born has Bradley Cooper acting well, it's got Zendaya in it and Zach Efron and Wolverine. The MCU La La Land. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> of the greatest showman's the MCU of musicals. Yeah. Okay. So, do we want to do things that you didn't like? Sure. Sure. Uh, at your own risk. I was confused. I was confused <laughs> at times. Oh, really? I think it's because I didn't Pretty pay attention for being well, at knifing but... distance. <laughs> I was confused at times. I I think it was because I didn't really pay attention as much as I did at Blade Runner, but I. I don't think it's a perfect film, but visually, at the acting wise, the story, I really, really liked it. It's probably top thirty favorite movies. I, if I if he had told me to rank my thirty favorite movies, I'd be here for four hours. But Great. I I, re- I liked it visually. But uh, if if you have a good visuals, good acting, good like. <laughs> Not just the good, but like over the top great. Then it's a, probably a movie that I'll enjoy, even though the story lacks. So, I I I, I liked it. I didn't really. I don't have a whole lot of negatives other than like the story was eh, for me at times. Also, oh, I have one thing. Uh, too much Jared Leto. He was barely in this Dang, movie. You took mine. This too. He was barely in this movie. Too much. He doesn't need to be in. The, I don't. <laughs> Jared Leto's a weirdo, man. I don't like that guy at all. You'd rather have Ed Helms in the movie. <laughs> I would. Do you imagine Ed Helms playing the villain? That be okay. Children can count to nine on both hands. We should own the stars. How bad can I be? <laughs> I've got three enemies of the Turbo Team podcast. Number one, Jared Leto. Number two, Ed Helms. And number three, the Indianola Snow Shack. <laughs> hey, we're trying to get him to sponsor us. No. Oh, not anymore. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Dang it. No, but anyways, my two dislikes were very similar to Alex. One, Jared Leto. Screw that guy. 
Jeez. What? He's on the Jared Leto. You guys really didn't like Suicide Squad. He's a, no. He's a weirdo. No. And then my biggest dislike, I wish I watched this alone. Because yeah, same. it's hard for me to watch, for the first time, like a serious <laughs> yeah. movie with a group of people. Because I make jokes. I crack jokes. I listen to... Ben and Nate just like jarring. <laughs> oh, these guys are idiots. Like, <laughs> hey, so, you guys are. So I missed some very just key plot points that I would have caught when I was watching by myself. Which I'm gonna watch it by myself again because I like I like the movie enough to warrant a rewatch. Oh yeah, but yeah, I like there's some just plot points that I didn't pick up on until you guys mentioned them. Oh, I got a positive. All but right. I was able to I was able to appreciate the cinematography, I gotta, the effects, and all that stuff. I got a positive real quick. The, the just the clip of him uh, in the desert when he first arrives in Las Vegas, and it's just like he's like just t- like this. Be- you silhouette, love that hard cut, his silhouette, and it's just like just the whole shot was amazing. It, That's I love all that I got. Shot. Uh, ben, yes. you got any negatives? Uh, yeah, kind of going along with that point, with you said with that amazing shot, which I agree was amazing. But just that scene of him walking from outside the Las Vegas area into the hotel or when he's visiting the, uh, I don't know, iPhone factory or whatever it was yeah. where he finds we're at the orphanage. The iPhone factory. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that each of those scenes are at least like a minute longer than they have to be. In multiple rewatches, like I said, I was watching with friends, so I didn't have my sole focus on this. But I know that the shots are amazing. I agree with that. But just rewatching it, it's just a little something that irked me. Is just how slow he walks throughout all of those scenes. Just like he's emotional. He's emotional by walking slow. He's watching for trip wires. <laughs> Pays off once. Set off a different. I don't. It only has to pay off once. <laughs> That's one less triple I. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you give your negatives, didn't you? Uh, I did not, but okay. I'd Nate, say your, if there was any negatives. negative, I would agree it can be sort of slow. I have never felt like that was a detriment. Every time I rewatch it, I find it's rewarding and it's engrossed. Length. I will. I will say I was kind of complaining. It was close to three hours, but it didn't really feel like three hours. It could have been just because I was watching it with some friends, but yeah, maybe. And it is different when you're watching it alone. I agree with Jake. These both of them, the first one and this one, yeah. are movies that are best you know watched alone. They're you know it's not Pineapple Express. It's not made better <laughs> by no, people. So, so the only <laughs> film that we've watched together before recording was King of Staten Island, which was. A it was a comedy. I feel it like that drunk. movie. I feel it like, had dramatic aspects. Yeah, we focused on that. I feel like that movie was funnier to us because we were watching it together too. It was yeah, it was funnier because we watched it together, and it was also like you could laugh at points, and that would be like yeah. Because if you just if you're with four people and you all watch a movie just silently alone, it's weird. When you're not in a movie theater, it's just weird. Yeah. So for the <laughs> for future, we're probably not watching any like. Everyone's waiting serious, for the next person movies. to make the move. Oh, I wish you were watching. It's like junior year prom down here in the Neeson's basement. <laughs> what? Ben went to sophomore prom sophomore year? I went to so- prom sophomore year. In front of the program, Maddie Gertz. Maddie Gertz. A up. Is anyone? Oh, yeah. The three enemies of the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we just said these everyone days. Everyone seems like a friend. <laughs> we say enemies more than friends. There's I a think. lot of friends of the program. <laughs> also a lot of enemies. I'm a, lot, I'm a big popular guy. I'm, I'm in Hollywood. Ryan Gosling. Oh There's Ryan gosh. Gosling, man. Uh-huh. Everyone loves him. Uh, do you have any more negatives? Nate, okay, before Nate oh, gets wow. into his negatives, before do you want to understand or explain... 
the background of me being Ryan Gosling. He looks like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, there's, that's no, it. there's no other way to describe it. I see it. a bit. Random I, I, I people at Simpson come up to him and they're like, "Dude, La La Land, you killed it." <laughs> this guy, <laughs> man. It's. It's amazing. You know, we had a class. The teacher was constantly distracted. She was like, I'm sorry. Have you? Have I seen you in a movie or something? <laughs> or no four? I was like, yeah, the program, program. And. And, yeah, and. So, yeah, that's where it comes from. From the side, rugged, he kind of does. Can you turn your head? No. He kind of looks like it a bit. I'm not saying I'm not saying he looks exactly like Ryan Gosling, but, like, I see it. <laughs> okay, Ben, you look like Hannibal. I don't look like anybody. <laughs> ben, we're trying to feed his ego. <laughs> <laughs> and I look like Timothy Chalamet. It's gonna no, blow I don't up and look explode. anything like Timothy Chalamet. It's a joke. His ego is gonna blow up and explode like an apple. I do, get that reference. Do you know who looks like Good. Matt? And do you have Becky? any other dislikes? Miles Teller. No. What? Oh, yeah. What? I said Matt and Isaac look alike. Oh, I thought you said. Do you know who looks like Matt and Isaac? I think I look Miles like Teller looks like Matt when he's yeah. fat. <laughs> What friend of the program? <laughs> he's not going to listen to our. He's not going to listen to our Blade Runner podcast. <laughs> so that's why we say friend of the program, which because we can insult him, but then oh, we're calling friend, friend of the, the program. <laughs> okay, he's not going to listen to our Blade Runner podcast. We're not. He doing listens to him. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. I, yeah, I don't know. He listens to La La Land. I guarantee Matt's never seen La La Land. Matt, if you see, I okay, feel like okay, he has. Matt, if you are this far in the podcast, tweet out chicken nuggets. A-cab. I don't know. To, yeah, tweet out. Chi- Otherwise, no, you're a A-cab. coward. Tweet out. Tweet out chicken nuggets and tag the Turo Team podcast, and then we'll know how far you got in the episode. That's a dumb yep. sound. Okay. Nate, okay, we cut you off. What were, yeah. what were some negatives? That was, that was pretty it. much it. It's, it can be slow, and it's best enjoyed with, you know, either alone or with someone who doesn't make jokes. I think I think if we all watched it, <laughs> I think if we all watched it alone, and then we watched, I have in, watched, and it, and watched it together. In the same, me, me in the same room, in this... Or in different rooms in the same house. Just like yeah, and then we all came in together. the room where it happens. <laughs> okay, Great so Hamilton reference. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cool. Uh, okay, for the let's women get into listening. ratings. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Nate, I'll let you go first. Ten out of ten. Ooh. I Ooh. Did love not, this movie. Not see that coming. Yeah, wow. I'll give it an unwarranted ten out of ten. Explain it. Unwarranted. What do you mean unwarranted? You can't just give a ten and be like, "That's the that's the rating." The I think it's perfect. Minutes. I think Actually, it, yeah. on a technical level, it works in every way. I think almost everyone in the movie is acting to their best. I mean, it's certainly the best Harrison Ford performance I've seen in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Gosling does an incredible job. Anna Diarmas, Mackenzie Davis, Robin Wright. All of them. I don't know. Harrison Ford in Call of the Wild was pretty cool. I was just about to bring Call of the Wild. Uh, I, I also made fun of you for saying giving it a ten out of ten, not explaining it. Last or when we did La La Land, we all gave it a ten out of ten, and we, we, didn't, we didn't explain, explain it. it at all. I, I I feel like I I talked for like six minutes at the beginning. Yeah. About all the we're things yeah, I okay. we're joking. Just yeah. ten out of tens are rare. Yeah. So we've only given. So I think that's. It. Besides La all La of ours, besides all of our La La Lands, that's the, so it's our fifth 10 out of 10. Oh. Didn't you give Goodfellas a 10? I think I gave it a, a 9 and a half. Really? Oh. I thought it was in your top five movies of all time. It used to be. It is not. But tune in next week when uh, we will be doing a revised top five movies of all time. Wow, so. revised after one song. We'll, uh, we'll okay. talk about next week's episode a little more at the end. Okay. Yeah, so. Back to this movie. Yeah. Alex, what do you give them? I'll give it an 8. Okay. I think I think I might rate it higher once I watch it again, mm-hmm. but I think I said all I needed to say, or all I had to say about it. It's, an, it's a good movie, very visual. Ryan Gosling's amazing. Harrison Ford's really good. On a day, Armis. That's it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, what do you think? Uh, I give it a nine out of ten. 
Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'll give it a seven and a half. It can really. I, I just don't want to go too high before rewatching it. Like Jake's I, always with the fractions. <laughs> you are. He does love decimals. <laughs> decimals, yeah, my bad. No wonder I was on the dean's list this year, I think. <laughs> yeah. What? Both mm-hmm. semesters. Yep. No president's list? Mm-mm. Tough. Yeah. Those I'll give it a seven and a half, but that's just because I, I liked it more than the first one. Yeah. But I also don't want to just like... Just I, give it I a ten. I don't know. Overpraise it. I don't. Good. I don't know enough about like yeah. yeah I, I everything that happened. Yeah, that's to, fair. Now that you have some background knowledge, somewhat. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it again, and I'll do some homework, and I'll come back and re-rate it. So listen to every episode we ever record, <laughs> every minute through, to find out. Got it. Yeah, we should you. say that every episode. That's a good yeah. idea. Um, Nathan, Magohan's Nate Magic. Some call him Quacks. Oh wait, no, we don't call him Quacks. We call him Chips. <laughs> uh, the Brazilian pipeline. Any other nick- nicknames he gets? Um, homeschool shirt hat. <laughs> graduate. Thank you. Shirt hat. They graduate. Sure have. Graduate of Hilltop Academy. Yes. Very unproblematic uh, mascot there. The Billy Goat. Mm-hmm. Gonna be a <laughs> senior at Simpson College, majoring in philosophy and nope. a bunch of other stuff. Physics and computer science. Uh, minor. I'm surprised it's taking you us uh, this long to have you on the podcast. Uh, blame Jake. I don't know what to All tell right. you. Yep, yeah. blame Jake. Everyone tweet Jake's out. the only one who can talk to Jake. Nate. Nope. Tweet at Dikey Isaac blaming. Oh, yep. Take it up with our PR. PR, PR but anyways, Nathan is probably the biggest fan of film I've ever met. He wow. spends... I haven't seen him in like five months. He's been locked up in his house. And I'm pretty sure he just spends 14 hours a day <laughs> if he's not at the library watching and re-watching movies. So he's going to wow. give us his top five, which he narrowed down from 45 films, which lot. is going to be extremely impressive. How long did that take you to make that list? It took like an hour. About. An hour? Actually, it took a long time because I kept on having to go back. I don't think at... I can name you 45 films right now. Uh, I think Could I still have the file hour? on my computer. Really? But... Could you win an hour? I think it'd take me a few hours. Okay. I just, was, uh, you know, I, just, yeah. I love watching movies. I love loving movies. I took a film criticism course. <laughs> love loving movies. I love, I love watching a movie and enjoying it, you know? Anything that you love, mm-hmm. it's best when it's... You're you spent know, loving if you love it. it. If you love it, let it go. Yeah, Take us yeah. from number five, Nate. Okay, well, first, I just have to give shout-outs to two that would be on the list, but we talked them to death, so I don't want to bring them up anymore Top seven. and it was easier to you know eliminate those and that's la la land and blade runner 2049 mm-hmm. i think they're both perfect they're amazing movies mm-hmm. you should watch them so the first one this is in no particular order is 12 uh, angry men nice nice nice, nice. A very old movie black and white Love uh, it. it is literally just outside of two scenes one at the beginning and one at the end it's 12 guys 12 jurors in a room trying to decide if this kid is guilty or not. Do you guys remember reading the play in seventh grade? Yep. Yes. And Can then we, we also watch the, watched it. We did watch it at the end. I don't remember watching the movie. I remember doing the play. The movie is really good. The really? movie That's is incredible. It is. Uh, you'd think that it would get boring, that it's just 12 guys yeah. in a room, but it the plot takes so many twists and turns as they're trying to determine, you know, is this kid guilty or yeah. not. Uh, you learn more and more about each of the jurors. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing way. It's, it does such a great job of characterizing each of the jurors so well, using the dialogue, using like how they look. You know, Some of them are really old. Some of them are young guys. And it is an incredible movie. Yeah. It does 
amazing job keeping it visually stimulating, that mm-hmm. it's not boring, just, you know, one camera shot. It does an amazing job of building tension and releasing it as, you know, it goes through all these twists and turns. And, again, the acting is incredible. The story is amazing. I love this movie. It's Film amazing. TikTok really yes. loves 12 Angry Men. Do they really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen a lot of popular, like, <laughs> some of my favorite movies you should watch on a rainy day. And they 12 Angry Men's on there a lot. Wow. Then La La Land. <laughs> they love La La Land. Wow. They're both Who good. Who wouldn't? Yeah. They're both good movies. All right, so the next one, I know Ben's seen this. I don't know about the other you two. Is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. I had it. My mom watched it. She said it was good, though. It is incredible. It is an amazing movie. I can't remember who directed Martin it. Martin McDonough. Martin, Martin McDonough. It's got Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson. Uh, I think that's the only really big. Lucas Hedges in it. In it big, sort of I, I like role. Lucas Hedges in that. I like Lucas Hedges. Getting thrown too. out the window. It's... Uh, it's an amazing movie. It's about this mom who one year ago her daughter was raped and burned alive Jesus. outside of this town, Ebbing, Missouri. And so one year later she buys three billboards basically calling out the police chief saying, you know, why haven't you caught the person who did this? And it is an incredible movie about guilt, anger, all of these things that come from – Prejudice. Yeah, prejudice, all of these emotions that come from, you know, such a – obviously emotionally traumatizing traumatizing event in this mother's life and it is an incredible movie all everyone does an amazing job acting in it i love woody harrelson i love sam rockwell so much peter dinklage i I forgot is it it came out two years ago is it it still 2018 it sounds like it's still pretty 2017 yes it sounds like it's still pretty relevant today i think it's fairly relevant you know it's it's one of those movies that unfortunately it'll probably always be relevant yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because it's sam rockwell's character is racist he's depicted as a racist and well he isn't yeah (laughs) i think uh, and the final i think it's one of those movies that does an amazing job of nailing home how you know all of these horrible things happen to these people in the past and they have to make a choice going forward are they going to try and be better or are they going to try and you know live in the past live in the past hate anger begets anger whatever she says she said that she does say it girlfriend penelope does not say it (laughs) all right so was that number four Uh, it's not in any order uh, that's the second one that's not how this goes i'm just kidding sorry you're totally okay the next one is eighth grade it came out last year to watch wow that's in your top five it, it is an amazing movie but i think it's not a movie for everyone my film criticism course i suggested it to the teacher and he had seen it he loved it and so he said we watched it and the class was divided Half of them thought it was the most boring, stupid, pointless movie they had ever seen. Half of them thought it was the most emotionally affecting, relatable film they had ever seen. Bo Burnham. It is Bo Burnham. His first movie, Kaylee Fisher, plays the title character, an eighth grader going through the final she week plays of She eighth plays grader. the character eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> She's an eighth grader. She plays eighth grade. Um, but no, it is an amazing movie. If you relate to it, I think you will love it to pieces. You know, if you've ever been nervous about going to somewhere else, if you've ever had social anxiety about like really basic things like just talking to other people or something, I think it's a movie that it can really hit you. The acting is incredible. I love, love, love the way he does shot reverse shot in this movie. It is genius. The The way shot reverse shot. It's amazing. 
I didn't, the, I didn't pick up on that when I watched it. The way he uses the cuts to show when another character is paying attention or not is amazing. There's a scene where she's talking to this boy. He's playing on his phone. <laughs> he's not paying attention. The camera stays on him the entire time until she mentions, like, oh, she does, like, a flirty sort of comment. Yeah. And then the camera cuts. That's when he starts paying attention. Yeah. Same in one of the climactic scenes when the father <laughs> is trying to connect to his daughter and he's trying all these sort of cliche dad sort of things and then he finally takes a moment and he's just brutally honest about you know he was so afraid of losing her of failing as a father after her mom left and that's when it cuts and shows her yeah that it does an amazing job of putting you in the shoes of the character in a movie that you know if you did it lazily you would not be able to communicate as much the Music is amazing. I love 8th Grade. It's incredible. <laughs> Everyone should see it. It was robbed of getting any Oscar nominations and it should have gotten if, if you had board. a cell phone in middle yeah. if you had a cell phone in middle school or you are a parent to someone who had a cell phone in middle school, then you should watch this film. Yeah, I because think it's a very it timely movie. To. I think I, a lot of people had a cell phone. Exactly. In school. That's it's, what I mean. So everybody. It's the movie that I judge every coming of age story against. The only coming of age story that I think is even close is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's Lady, a coming of age. Bird? I have <laughs> and it's similar but I don't think Lady Bird is as good. I really love Lady Bird. I also so. love Lady Bird. Oh, also, this is off talk. Hey, Ben, my mom has Little Women recorded. I my mom has Little it on Women. DVD upstairs. So okay, good. we need. So I'm gonna let's just watch it separately then. Good okay. call. Okay, anyway. it's amazing. It's really good. I know. I I this is my daughter, eighth grade, with my son, hired worker. I'm a family man. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. So your second in your top five. I have two left. Uh, the next one is the Lego movie. I'm going to fight you. <laughs> I'm going to fight you. <laughs> uh, apparently, Jake doesn't like this movie as Wait, much. Wait, is the Lego movie really on there? Yes. I oh, love it. Let, let him explain it. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> well, I think the, no, I like the Lego movie. I was just the surprised. The first thing I'll say is I think modern animated films are going in the wrong direction in terms of style. I'm going to go. Illumination. Did you, did you Toy Story 4? <laughs> Jake, did. what did you think? I Nate, thought it was good. I did too. Nate, Illumination Studios is on fire right now. <laughs> okay, Minions 2. Illumination's problem is not this. Their problem is that they make bad movies. Um, <laughs> but like Disney movies are getting more and more realistic with the animation, and I think it's a detractor to the medium of agree. animated movies. I would movies agree. That, yeah. you know. Yeah. You don't want realistic animation. Exactly. If you're animated, go nuts. And I think the Lego movie is a great example of this. It looks like it's stop action. I think it adds a lot of humor to scenes that are like nothing. Like Emmett just walking up to the thing is funny to me because yeah. it's a Lego guy walking up to the thing. I don't know. <laughs> That's how you do it. Exactly. I love, I love all the Legos they have in this movie. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that's, what, that's my favorite part. All the Legos. Cool. The Legos. The Legos just 10 out of 10 other, Legos. Interacting with other Legos, it's just... It is... Feral. Can I Can I? It's a Legos expanding? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think it's an amazing animated movie. I think it's so funny, and a part of that is, you know, humor subjective. This movie is exactly... Your uh, kind of humor. Exactly my kind of humor. I don't think it's, like, dumb, but it can be sort of dumb. Yeah. And it's exactly the sort of dry. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, I think, are incredibly funny directors. They should have been able Charlie to do Day. all of Solo. Solo, yeah. But oh, Charlie Day is in this, isn't he? The supporting cast in it is amazing, and I, I just think it's one of the best, you know, animated movies out there because it has so much style, but it's got a lot of heart, you know, with the ending and similar, weirdly similar. To Blade Runner 2049, it's about yeah. that you don't have to be special to be special. You just have to be a person yeah. and do good. 
What did you think of the second one and the Batman? I thought the Batman one was amazing. Really? I thought the second one was not as good. The second one felt like a cash grab. Yeah, the second one, I think it still has its moments. I love the joke about uh, when they shoot off the beacon and it says, Happy New Year, Batman <laughs> and Alfred start singing Old Ang's Eye. I think that's a great joke. But otherwise, a lot of the Spoilers. jokes are <laughs> to me. And I think that's one of the big reasons why I love the first one. Is yeah. Almost every joke I think is funny, mm-hmm. you know, even though it's sort of stupid. No, I, I give you a lot of crap. I like the movie, but it it did right. not make consideration for my top, top five. Top five. I don't think it would probably be in my top 50. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's not saying but, I don't. But, really but like. it's all subjective. You're right. Yeah. We are, you know, the enjoyment of movies of is going to be tastes. different for everyone and I felt like I had too many sort of serious movies on my list. No, I had to lighten the mood a little super bit. Super is my I third favorite movie. Yeah. So. Uh, last movie. My last one's Inception by it's Christopher so Nolan. Um, so coming. Yeah, I still don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a movie that I think if you're an idiot or like really stupid oh, then okay. you won't get it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I think this is it took me a while because I love all of Christopher Nolan's movies, but this Damn is it. the one I landed on because I think this is the one that he put the most care and attention to, that it's so meticulously crafted, you know, around the heist and the dream sequence and the entire idea of you know, building all of this stuff, he talks about, he's talked in interviews about how hard it is to make non-linear movies have a good climax because you have to build up all of these pieces separately and make sure they all hit at the same moment. Yeah. And I think Inception does an incredible job. There's like a six-minute sequence at the end where the music is incredible and the entire thing is building as all, I think it's four? Four different... Four levels. different timelines, four different levels of dreams all culminate in the same moment. It's amazing. It mm-hmm. you know, it's so well done to build to this and I also think the movie is incredibly, you know, clever in its messaging about, you know, we sort of choose the reality that, you know, we can. That the ending is sort of ambiguous, but the point is that it doesn't matter to him anymore whether he's in a dream or not. He walks away from it. He walks away. The point isn't that, is it a dream or not? That's meaningless. (laughs) No, I need to know. (laughs) Well, see, exactly. I think this is one of the best ambiguous endings of all time. Also like Blade Runner. Yeah, sort of. That, you know, people, they want to see everything, but the point isn't seeing everything. The point is that he's got his kids back. Yeah. You know, it is an amazing movie. It's I think DiCaprio does a great job. The music's amazing. The visuals, I mean, the city folding on itself looks amazing, and I think will continue to look amazing. I love Inception. Do you it's, think it's DiCaprio's best performance? No. Right. What's your? What would your best? I have a I have a hot take on that, so I want to know what your best DiCaprio performance. Uh, is. I think if I had to pick, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Really. That's your favorite performance. That's I think so. Just from his Rick Dalton scenes in the trailer. He's really good in the movie. I right? love the or in his final performance. Scenes. Yeah, I the I think that's the little it. girl is so good. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think, is an underrated movie. I it got nominated for a lot of Oscars. I know, so but I I, that's also Tarantino tie-in. I think, tie in. I think it, yeah. a lot of people hated it, 
and I don't think it deserved as much hate because I think it genuinely is a really good movie. Yeah. I think people just hated it because they don't like Tarantino and they just thought it was like a stupid movie. The movie just seemed like Tarantino was just trying to have fun the whole time because yeah. he is a, such a Hollywood fan and like I think it was just more of him just just building this world where he's having fun. He's like, oh, what if I throw Charles Manson in there and make it yeah. in the 70s? Like, <laughs> That was on my list of 45 movies really? to whittle down because be I love be on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, wow. I thought, what is your favorite DiCaprio I think I think it, him in The Departed is phenomenal. Really? I love The Departed. So that might be my favorite. Eh, either I think Goodfellas is probably my favorite Scorsese, but The Departed that, was my favorite Scorsese is Wolf of Wall Street. That, that's a good one. Whoa, too. That's a good one. I also love DiCaprio. That's a, <laughs> chunky. that's a chunky. That's a chunky. Jordan <laughs> podcast starring Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> you guys weren't there for that. That was like five hours ago. Yeah, yeah. funny. Um. So Nate, thanks for coming on the pod. Do you want to talk about next week's episode? Yeah. So. Alex moves back to Terra Dice, Terre Haute, Indiana, to go back to college next Tuesday. <laughs> we will still continue to record episodes, but we're going to be going over I'm Skype. Skype again. It's kind of as a going away party episode. Next week, I believe on Sunday, it'll be published Monday, we're going to go through and rank I, I, everything I, that we watched for the show. Yeah. So everything from Goodfellas to Blade Runner 2049. To Tiger King. To to Tiger King to the interview. <laughs> yeah. We're and we're also going to update our top 5 movies of all time if it's changed. I know mine has slightly. Yep, and we're also going to rank our top 5 TV shows for the first time. I don't know how we didn't do I that. I say we do a, so here's what I say. I say we do a longer episode. We don't review a movie. I think we do all that and then I also want to do the thing where we have former guests review the Turbo Team podcast. <laughs> I think just having them send in like a video um, I'm not yeah. doing that. I think I think <laughs> fine. I don't like want, you guys. I disagree. We're gonna do Raising Arizona. We're also gonna do Tron Legacy because the music slaps. Tron Legacy. I'm just uh, just listen to the soundtrack. No, I think idiot. I think, I'm just, I think we I'm should joking. have just like a. I think we should have them review it, or at least their experience, and then just send in a video, <laughs> and then we can rec- and then we can live react to the video. Yeah. I feel idea. like it's going to be so, nothing special for more than a couple. It's not going to be like a 20-minute video. It'll probably just be like a minute, two minutes. Yeah, yeah I know. I'll Maybe, do a 20-minute video. You can do a 20-minute video. Please do a 20-minute video. I've watched a lot of your stuff. Well, we want to thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Nate, it's always good seeing you. You and your curly little hair and Thanks. cute little glasses. Curly little long hair. Well, we, we <laughs> want to thank you guys again, and uh, we'll be looking forward to our next episode. But for now, this is the Turbo Team Podcast sounding off. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening.